This is our first week of meeting in the month of December. And December is the last month of 2020, which like I am incredibly excited about because this has been a really tough year. Like we've had a global pandemic. We've had like like economically, we've had all sorts of struggles. We've had social unrest. We have lived through online everything, online work, online school, online graduations, online birthday parties, online family meetings, online holidays. It has been a really, really tough year. In fact, one of the the things that I think has come out of 2020 that has made it just a little bit better are the memes that have come from 2020. Now, if you're unfamiliar, you're like, I don't know what a meme is. Um, It's sort of like the modern day political cartoon is really like what it is. And so I just, this is, this has got, some of these have gotten me through 2020. So I wanted to share a couple of these. Um, This is our first one that I wanted to uh, show you. Um, If 2020 was a car, this is what it would look like. And then if 2020 was a cereal, this is what it would be. (laughs) Like, can't you just? taste that in your mouth. Okay, if 2020 was a scented candle, (laughs) it's a dumpster fire. (laughs) If 2020 was a slide, ah, like, can you just feel that? Like, you're like, no, right? Okay, yeah, so 2020 really has been awful. Like, if I, like, I don't know how many times I've said, like, 2020 sucks. Like, I've heard you say it. I've said it. It's been horrible. And, and for all of 2020, I've had enough of it. Like, I've had enough of 2020. I've had a, enough of unexpected turns. I've had enough of, oh, now this is the end, only two weeks later to discover, no, 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 it just gets worse. Or... I've had enough of CDC changing the guidelines. I've had enough of face masks. I've had enough of all of the online stuff. And I keep wondering, like, in 20 years from now, what will children learn about 2020? Like, what will be the things? Will it it be iconic in the history books to say, here's all of the things that happened in 2020, and this is why your parents are so messed up because of 2020, right? Like, it's just all of these terrible things. And I've even started to hear people People refer to it as the lost year, which I totally relate to because for me, I, I said this a couple weeks ago, like I know it's December, but I still feel like mentally it's September. Like it still feels like September. And, and somebody reminded me the other day that actually the distance between uh, where we are today in December and September is the same distance from December to March. Like like, that's crazy. Like, there is such a timelessness in 2020 that is not good. And it really is the lost year. There's sort of all of these goals and dreams and vacations and development plans and hopes and all of these things have all just been put on hold in 2020. They've all sort of just been left there until, well, we're not really sure when. It, it just so much feels like we've lost a whole year. I've had enough of 2020, and I'm sure you have also. But to be honest, there are some benefits that have happened in 2020. First of all, you really haven't had to shop for anything more than PJs 
in 2020. Like you can get away with wearing your PJs all day long until you have to get on the Zoom call and then you just put on a nice shirt and you're good to go. And, and with getting to wear PJs all the time, um, you also get to eat anything that you want to eat, which has also been really nice, except for when you have to put on regular clothes again. And then once again, 2020 sucks. And it's been also nice for those of you who have kids to spend extra time with your kids and really have an opportunity to be with them until you don't want to be with them anymore because they're so annoying. They don't go anywhere. You're just with them all the time. And with 2020, it's been really nice to get some extra time to watch like Netflix and like catch up on some like streaming shows and like everybody's highlights. But then you get to the end and you're like, wait, there's no more shows. Like there's nothing that I haven't watched and nothing is really any good anymore. Or you get, um, or you're really excited about um, uh, like Honestly, I think masks are kind of fun. Uh, I know that they're really annoying and a pain, but there is some side greatness about masks. Like, um, one is that you don't always get recognized by people you don't want to get recognized by. And also, you don't have to worry about smiling all the time. Like, you can just be like, well, no one sees my face anyways. Um, and you don't even have to brush your teeth because... Nobody can smell your breath, so that doesn't matter. So there's some nice things about masks, and, and so we can see the silver lining of, of that whole thing. And I know that I've heard from introverts who have told me that they were built for 2020. Like, they feel so good about 2020 because now avoiding people isn't just something they have to, like, make excuses about. Like, avoiding people is a sign that you love people, right? And so I know that for introverts, they've kind of really enjoyed... 2020 as well. But like in all seriousness, there's some awesome things that have happened for our church also. Like we've had new babies been born as a part of our church. Uh, we've had kids that have graduated who are a part of our church. We've moved our entire service online. Uh, all of the things can be accessed, not just if you live close in Montgomery County, but also we have people that are participating on a weekly basis that are from different states from New Jersey and Texas and Florida and Arizona and Indiana. We have people tuning in on a weekly basis to hear the word of God being proclaimed and to worship together with us, which has been so cool. We actually have new families and new individuals that call Clarksburg Church home that have found it because of our online format. Many of them we have never met before, like face-to-face. -face, we don't even know what they look like but they call Clarksburg Church their home. And, and so that's been really awesome. Additionally, in a time when need has been so great in our community, our church has risen to the occasion and has served more people than we, and in one year than we ever have before. We have connected and partnered with other organizations in order to say, hey, we're going to take care of the most vulnerable. We're going to take care of the people who need to be served. And we've said yes again and again and again and have met those needs as a congregation. Additionally, um, more people in our congregation have been moved to practice listening and praying together, as well as learning and reading scripture together than, than we have before. Like, we have a designated team that is praying on a daily basis for the people in our congregation and in our community. In addition to that, we have people that are joining together on a daily basis to read scripture together. We've gone through the book of Isaiah, we've gone through the book of Mark, and now we're going through this 
this Advent reading. And we haven't had that kind of um, collaboration before, and 2020 has brought that for us. And so there's some awesome things that have happened in the church. There's also some awesome things, seriously, that have happened in our culture. There has been this tidal wave of superheroes in the form of healthcare workers and doctors and scientists and grocery store clerks and, and all sorts of essential workers that instead of running away from the trouble and the pandemic of 2020, they have run towards the messiness of the whole thing in order to take care of and serve those around us. Additionally, there has been like a collaboration between the smartest people in the world to try to figure out a vaccine in unprecedented time. What they thought would, was impossible or would have thought was impossible 12 months ago, they have accomplished in months what, what used to take years to accomplish. And so that's just the beginning of the list of the awesome things that have happened culturally in 2020. Now, I know that it's hard because it feels like by saying that there are awesome things that have happened in 2020, it sort of feels like, yeah, but don't, don't mitigate the things that have been awful. And I, and I want to remind you that, that it doesn't. It doesn't mitigate it at all. To proclaim the truth about the amazing things that have happened does not diminish the incredible loss that has happened. It doesn't diminish the heartbreaking struggle that many of us have gone through. It doesn't diminish like the debilitating depression that has happened and settled in. The truth is, is that in the middle of this whole brokenness of our world, in the middle of like the sinfulness that we've all just had enough of, we can also experience that God has enough joy and peace and love and hope and life to meet us in the middle of this darkness, in the middle of this chaos, in the middle of all of the awfulness. See, the truth is amazing and awful can coexist together. Having enough of the really bad stuff and having enough of God can coexist together. Like both of those things, they're not mutually exclusive. And for a lot of us, we've experienced this in our personal journeys also. Like I can even think for me, I think back to the first year that me and my family, we moved here. And that was a awful year. Now, I don't know if I've ever like said this publicly to this church that I moved to, but that was a really hard year. Like on top of all of, think of all of the challenges that come with moving. Uh, you uproot your social network, you change jobs, you change schools, you don't have a, a social connection or a support system. Like all of that was really, really hard. But on top of that, uh, the house that we moved into had mold in it and it made our whole family sick, right? Like so on top of that, we had this physical illness that was going on. On top of that, I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. I felt totally out of my skin. I, I didn't know how to do anything. I didn't even know where the grocery store was. I didn't know how to lead a church by myself. It was all very, very hard. But in the middle of that awfulness, there was also this a beautiful amazingness where God met me in a totally new way, where my spiritual intimacy with God was redefined and recreated in the middle of that because all I could do was depend wholeheartedly on him. 
All I could do was wake up and just pray like, God, what am I supposed to do next? Because I don't know. All I could do was search the scriptures for new definitions of what the good news of God was because in that moment, nothing really felt like good news. And so it was the worst year, but it was also the best year. And in so many ways, God was working. Like I look back to that year and I see how God was working in the midst of all of the chaos that I was experiencing. And he was saying, no, 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 I am rebuilding you. I am preparing you for something new. I'm preparing you to lead these people to a new place. And had God not taken me through that time of the undoing, we wouldn't be in the place that we are now. So it was the worst year, but it was also the best year. It was this time where I walked through the desert and God sustained me with manna. And I'm sure that many of you can relate to that personal journey and can pinpoint times where you've said, oh, that was the worst. But also, maybe there were some great things. And that mixing of the awful and the awesome is so clearly evident when we look at the cross. Like Jesus goes to the cross, the horror and the pain and the suffering and the agony of the cross. And it looks awful, but when we think about what it really is, it's also amazingly beautiful that Christ laid down his life for us so that we don't have to have the ultimate blow of death. And so that is the merging of the awesome and the awful. This is what the gospel message is that the awful and the awesome is so intertwined together that in death we can be raised to life. And so the question becomes like, hey, how do we live, how as followers of Christ do we live in a world where we can experience awful and awesome at the same time? How do we live in a world where, where we experience both defeat and glorious victory at the same time? How do we live in a world where we can sort of handle both despair and hope? How do we have the ability to say, that's enough of all of the bad things, but I have enough of my God for him to sustain me? And what we actually do is, is we have to do what the psalmist David did. We have to do what he did. He laments all of the awful, and then he praises God for all of the awesome. That's how all of the Psalms, many, many of the Psalms are constructed. Uh, see, the Psalms are these prayers that, that call out and they say, here's the awful stuff, here's, here's the broken stuff, here's the despair, here's the injustice, here's the oppression, here's the wrongdoing, and then it praises God for the things that God is doing. Sometimes in the exact same chapter, the Psalms calls out these amazing laments, these awful laments of like how horrible things are. But then in the same chapter or even the same verse, the Psalmist like says, but I will praise you because here's how awesome these other things are. Here's how you've shown up, God. Here's how you have been enough. And so I want to read Psalm 30, and I want to kind of look at how the psalmist David sort of does, pairs these two things together. David says, 
Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. I called to you for help because there was a problem. Here's the lament and you healed me. Here's the praise. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. Being in the realm of the dead, there's the lament. But here's the praise. You spared me from going down into the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord, you, his faithful people. Praise his holy name. Weeping, the lament, may stay for the night, but rejoicing, the praise comes in the morning. Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me, the lament. Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing lament into dancing praise. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. What I love about the Psalms is there's sort of this, this raw and tender emotion In the Psalms, there's no sort of effort to like hide the pain. There's no sort of pasting a fake smile on the midst of the whole thing. There's no sort of like, oh, no, it's going to be okay. We're all going to be fine. No, it's like, no, I'm dying. I'm in the pit. I'm in the realm of death. There's so much honesty about the horribleness that is going on. See, when when David here says, like, I'm in sackcloth, basically what he's saying when somebody says they're in sackcloth is they're saying, I can't even change my clothes or shower. Like, I, I can't do it. I've given up. It's so messed up. I can't even get up. I can't even get out of bed. And David is calling this out and saying, that's where I am. That's where I am. It's awful. I can't even get out of bed. But what the psalmist does is the pain that the psalmist is experiencing, they don't allow that pain to blind them to the awesomeness that is also happening, to the enoughness of God. They don't allow the things that they've had enough of to block out the ways that God is enough. The psalmist cries out and says, will you turn my weeping into rejoicing? Will you turn my mourning into dancing? Will you turn my pain into healing? They experience both of those things at the same time. The psalmist doesn't allow the pain to block out the healing. And here's the thing that I've learned in 2020, is that pain is really loud. Like pain is really loud. Pain drowns out everything else that God might be doing in our lives. Pain and hurt and trauma, it's so distracting that it keeps us from being able to see and hear and know all of the other things that are happening. That unless we're really looking for what God is doing in our midst, all we can sense and all we can know is the pain. All we can experience is the awful. See, the awful grabs our attention. 
away from the awesomeness. The awful is all we can think about. I mean, you pick up your phone, you look at the TV, you start reading the newspaper, and what yells at you, which speaks louder than anything else, what consumes you is the problems with our relationships. It's, it's the problems of what's happening in the world. It's the awfulness that's happening with our kids. It's the, it's the terribleness of what's happening in our school system. It's the trauma and garbage that's happening at work. It's all of the brokenness and all of that drowns out the awesomeness that God is doing among us. And so unless we're intentionally seeking out what God is doing among us, unless we're intentionally searching for the ways that God is intervening, unless we're intentional about looking for the awesome and how God has been enough, we miss it. We miss it every time. And so that's why praise is so important because it keeps us from being enslaved to the awful. Praise is so important because it helps us overlook the awful onto the awesome. See, this is why Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he says this. He says, rejoice always, pray continuously, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now notice that when Paul says this, he doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. Because there are some circumstances that we are in the middle of that like we should not be thankful for. <laughs> uh, they're evil. They're not the way God created things to be. They're destructive and they're broken. And so we shouldn't give thanks for those circumstances. But even when we are in the midst of them, even when we're in the middle of them, God is still working out something awesome. God is still showing up again and again with the manna that sustains us. God is still showing up in our lives to do awesome things, to be enough for his people. God is doing good work. And so as the people of God, we are called to lament the awful but we're not supposed to get stuck there. We're supposed to move forward and search for the awesome, to search what God is doing in the middle of all of this. And so I have a question for you today. What is awesome in 2020? What has been awesome in 2020? I know that you know what's been awful. I know what's been awful. I know that we can name all of the awful things because we do. Every time we talk with another person, we just start listing the awful. But what's been awesome in 2020? What's been awesome in your job? I know that there's all sorts of ways that it is awful. People are getting cut. Maybe you don't have a job, like all of those sorts of things. But what's been awesome about it? What's been awesome about where you live, whether it's an apartment or a room or a house? I know that you immediately can think of all of the awful things, the projects that have been undone, the messy spaces that won't stay clean, the dishes that never seem to end, whatever the things are, the roommates that you have that are driving you nuts and you can't get away from. I know that there's been awful things. We can all name those, but what's been awesome? Where have you seen God be enough? 
Where do you see God working? What about your marriage? What's been awesome in your marriage for those of you who are married? I know that you could probably make a quick list of all of the awful things about your husband or wife, but what's been awesome? Where is God working? If you still have parents, if their parents are still around, what's been awesome about your parents? I know, again, there's awful things. There's baggage that they've brought. There's, there's ways that, that they maybe have treated you or siblings or dealt with things that aren't the way that they should have. But what's been awesome about your parents? And your kids, if you have kids, what's been awesome about your kids? What's been awesome about your 13-year-old daughter or your 13-year-old son? What's been awesome about them? And when you can name those things, begin to allow praise to well up out of you and to praise God for whatever he's doing, no matter how small, to allow yourself to lament the bad, but praise God for all of the ways that he is enough because that's the only way that we can experience God and be set free to experience him as a God who shows up. Let's pray together. Father God, I am so thankful that you give us this example of the psalmist. I am so thankful that, that you have intertwined these, um, uh, you've intertwined the ways that you allow good to come from the bad. That when we say, I've had enough, I'm done, you roll up your sleeves and you have just begun. And so Father God, you know all of our hearts, you know our experiences, you know the pain and the brokenness that we, have, we hold from this past year. You know the loss that we have experienced. Father, we cry out to you with all of those things. And we also praise you for the ways that you have shown up, for the ways that you are working for the ways that you are moving in these spaces to show us that you are enough, the ways that you are bringing joy and love and hope in the middle of these dark circumstances. And so, Father God, we praise you this morning. Would you meet us in those places? Would you open our eyes to all of the ways that you have been awesome. We pray all of this in your holy and precious name. Amen.